Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part series. I am running on a recent white paper released by SAI Global entitled Predicting Risk, a Strategic Culture Framework for the C-Suite. This white paper was authored by Katerina Volgarella, and over the next five podcast episodes, I visit with her on various topics relating to this white paper. In episode one, we introduce the strategic cultural framework. In episode two, we consider what the board and C-suite need to know about ethical risk. In episode three, we consider the differences between espoused ethics and actual goals of an organization. In episode four, we use the cultural framework to take a look at the ethical failures of Wells Fargo and their fraudulent account scandal. In our concluding episode five, we take a look at the ins and outs of ethical reasoning and take a look into the future. It will be a fascinating exploration for you. At the end of the five podcast series, you will be able to utilize the strategic cultural framework to help your organization measure not only what it espouses, but is it actually doing that in practice. In each episode, I link to the white paper itself so you can take a look at it and use it going forward. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. This special five-part series on predicting risk, a strategic cultural framework for the C-suite, a white paper by SAI Global, is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'm back again for part three of my exploration of the SAI Global White Paper, Predicting Risk, a Strategic Cultural Framework for the C-Suite. I'm joined again by Katerina Bulgarella, the culture architect and ethics advisor in collaboration with SAI Global and the author of the, the white paper. Today, we're going to take up bridging the gap between values and what an organization values, a discussion of the tensions and risks that arise from conflicting priorities and goals. So, Katerina, as always, uh, welcome and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you, Tom, uh, for having me. It's a pleasure to be on, to continue a conversation. So, I wanted to just jump right in and ask, how can a corporate culture be understood through the lens of the framework? Um, yeah, uh, that is a great question. Um, so let's focus for a moment on what culture is. Um, I mentioned that we should look at culture as a complex architecture. So it's not just the behaviors, uh, uh, but it's also it's not just the values and the code of conduct, uh, but it, it's also, um, you know, culture is about key beliefs. And it's about the way systems and processes are designed. It's about norms and expectations. In looking at each uh, culture determinant, um, uh, the framework uh, addresses the specific systems uh, norms and mindsets uh, that should be monitored and managed. Uh, so, for example, um, I, you know, just the framework is telling us that if we want to uh, manage delegation of ethical dilemmas, we should look at principles of conduct. Uh, but it's you know, if we want to look into principles of conduct, we should shouldn't just stop at corporate values. We should also look at implicit norms. Um, when it comes to leadership and power, uh, the framework is highlighting um, you know, you know, the fact that, that uh, we 
need to look into the criteria that are used to select and hire leaders. But it's not just about that. It's also about how leaders behave once they are hired and what they believe their role and power is all about. Um, so in this sense, the framework tackles the multidimensionality of culture and it guides us through the layers that matter. So it's not just the talk, what people are told, uh, but it's also the walk, how people are rewarded. Uh, it's not just what is said explicitly, we value safety, uh, but it's also what is expected implicitly, you know, deliver on time no matter what. Uh, it's not just whether people are asked to participate in training, uh, but whether they work in environments where they can discuss uh, difficult issues uh, and so on. Uh, I say that, you know, one important um, contribution that the framework uh, uh, makes when it comes to grasping culture has to do uh, with the fact that uh, uh, it helps us understand the contradictions that define culture. It highlights uh, the different directions in which people are pulled, uh, you know, the, the gap between what is said and what is done, and, um, and the way in which uh, people are likely uh, to respond to these inconsistencies. So you spoke a little bit, uh, actually quite a bit, about uh, culture, but I was wondering if you might take it in a different direction and talk about the cultural influence on the level of risk in a corporation and how that all works into the framework. Yeah, I think so. Let's you know, let's uh, you know, just keeping in mind the two uh, uh, cultural dimensions uh, that um, the framework highlights. On the one hand, we have delegation of ethical dilemmas. On the other, we have uh, ethical capacity. So we can use uh, these uh, uh, culture the two culture dimensions um, 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 to uh, identify different types of culture. Uh, and, the, and it's useful to think in terms of different types of culture because uh, that helps us to, um, to think uh, also in terms of different levels of risk and different uh, types of risk. Um, I want to point out that at a high level, um, you know, just a delegation of ethical dilemmas um, sort of affects both the intensity of risk and the type of risk. The more dilemmas in organization, the more the pressure, uh, the higher the likelihood uh, you know, that people will make poor decisions. And also the nature of the dilemmas uh, uh, you know, tells us what type of risk the organization is likely to face. Um, so a culture is mature when the organization works hard to address and contain dilemmas on the one hand, while creating ethical capacity on the other. Uh, on the, uh, the opposite, you have immature cultures. Um, in, other, you know, in these cultures, uh, you have, uh, you know, uh, you know the, the dilemmas are widespread and uh, ethical capacity is low. Between, you know, mature and immature uh, cultures, uh, there are two culture types worth keeping in mind ambivalent cultures and righteous cultures. In an ambivalent culture, 
we find adequate conditions for ethical capacity. For example, you know, people are encouraged to own ethical challenges. They are trained effectively. Um, their reasoning is uh, engaged to a certain extent. You know, tough issues are discussed uh, and so forth. However, the culture is ambivalent because um, in this culture, delegation of ethical dilemmas is high. Uh, the organization is not actively uh, managing uh, ethical dilemmas. So it's leaving uh, sort of loose ends, so to speak. Um, uh, it's interesting to, to think that companies that fall in this bucket may have mature ENC programs, but that doesn't mean that they have uh, mature cultures. Um, the other culture type uh, to keep in mind is the righteous type. Uh, this is a culture that limits dilemmas, but doesn't nurture ethical capacity. So an organization with a righteous culture uh, goes to a great length to articulate and predicate clear and strong priorities, but it doesn't do as good a job uh, when it comes to ethical capacity. Um, you know, one way of putting it, uh, you know, righteous cultures are somewhat, somewhat cultish. Uh, risk in this case comes not from lack of clarity, but from acquiescence and lack of adaptability. So, Katerina, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but this is just a fascinating discussion about the different cultural types, but also really how risk changes across cultural types and why that is an aspect that needs to be uh, considered, managed, and um, and taken an account for. So, uh, thank you again for taking the time to visit with me. I hope our listeners will join us again where we talk about leading under pressure and using the framework to assess one of the, uh, unfortunately, largest scandals recently, uh, which was the uh, Wells Fargo scandal. It's going to be a fascinating discussion. It's a great case study. It's laid out beautifully in the white paper. And frankly, I am greatly looking forward to asking you about it. So, Katerina, thank you. Thank you, Tom. Look forward to joining you again. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. I hope you've enjoyed this episode in my special five-part series on the SAI Global White Paper entitled Predicting Risk, a Strategic Cultural Framework for the C-Suite, and my visit with the White Paper's author, Katerina Bulgarella. I hope you'll join us again for our next episode. This podcast series is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.